We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Solo Ship Week 2. I'm Squirrel Patrol. He's Jam to win. Jam, how was your week one in the NFL? How was your week one? It was good. Um, I I kind of made a joke that it was a very Squirrel Patrol weekend. Um, I, I finished with about the same amount in my bank, in my not my bank account, but in my like FanDuel and DraftKings accounts uh, at the end of the week as the start of the week. But I... I won like a live final seat on FanDuel, won like a few nice. seats on, on DraftKings. Uh, so I picked up like, a couple of, of live final seats basically for free. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, I, the one, my one like big regret on the weekend, like on the Sunday, was that I put, I always put my best like single entry roster into the $5,000 FanDuel qualifier. Like it's the one I put the most thought into. And I generally just carry that through about one of every five or six of my single entry contests and then put all those like you know those five or six single entry contests in my all of my gpps and that one lineup i did was the best lineup i i had on Pandora. so like everything i did after that was a, it was like a waste of time i should have just done that one lineup um and it would have like finished second in the monster for a hundred thousand um and i had like 30 monster entries i just didn't carry the lineup through Interesting. Yeah, I had a kind of a similar thing where it was, I've said it was like one of the most challenging, profitable weeks to put behind me. Um, my main build was a variation off of my favorite roster. So my favorite roster finished second in the chop block and it finished seventh in, I figured what it was, but some other three max tournament with like 1500 entries, uh, but would have won the game changer for 100K. And I took that roster and decided not to go with Puka Nakua in the game changer and uh, went a different direction, made, made a couple of changes on that roster. So it was like that roster. And then I was like, uh, as a roster I loved, and I was like, uh, I don't think I can do this in the game changer. So I switched it up. So had a profitable weekend, but kind of fumbled hundred K right through my fingers. So um, yeah. yeah, put it behind me on, on Monday and on to, onto a new week this week. And we'll take our shots again. 
Yeah, it's it's a funny it's a funny life we live, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, where we like make these decisions like oh, I, oh it cost me hundred k, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. it didn't really like cost hundred k. It's just like oh, no, like I you know you've got to make those like kind of split decisions, and you like uh, going into week one, you're kind of thinking like I don't know about Puka Nikola, right? Like he could do well. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, yeah. he was. I think in most tournaments he was 02 percent owned, and I had you know I don't know five percent exposure to him and i had him on on some of my you know fifty dollar hundred dollar single entry three max stuff so in in those terms i had more money exposed to him than 99.95 percent of the field but i did have enough confidence on that play that i was back and forth on the or i should say i had enough confidence on that roster that i was back and forth on on it and you know made that decision kind of the wrong direction it's, I mean, similar with you like you would typically carry that FanDuel single entry qualifier roster over to the monster um, and didn't. And then it's like, well, those opportunities come again. Maybe not this weekend. You know, like one of the things I said this week is on Sunday morning before games kicked off, I knew I was one and zero on the season because I like took the time to assess my play. And I was like, how did I do this week? How are my rosters? Regardless of results, I'm one and zero. I put in a one really good week. And so this week I might go two and zero. And it might be a week that lines up horribly for my style of play. And I might lose 70% of my entry fees and that's okay too, right? It's not, it's not like I can just make it back. It's not like this week is going to be the next opportunity I have to have that big payout because every week kind of lines up a little bit differently for some weeks don't line up with my style of play. But as long as I keep putting in a win each week, then those results come over time. So it is what it is. And you, you pack your bags and move on. Yeah. So, so you don't think this week like lines up particularly well. For your style. Oh, I do, but I, I okay. always think every week does, right? And then some weeks it's like the way things play out. It's like, well, the way it like whether it's Jamal Williams chalk week and he has the longest run of his career and like his second hundred yard game of his career and scores three touchdowns and you're like, well, I literally never would have played him with significant money behind him because I felt like that's a that's bad chalk, right? So like certain weeks you come out and you're like. I just, it wasn't going to be my week because of the way it shook out. But um, no, I am, I'm really excited about this week. I think it lines up. I have a good feel for it. And I think it lines up well. Okay. Uh, so hot takes, we are uh, mandatory hot takes. Uh, what do you, what are you thinking about this weekend? Like, what do you think is going to, like a take you've got that, uh, that maybe nobody else has? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and put my stamp on. So last week it was Miles Sanders wrong on the production, but 18 carries six targets. So right on the usage this week, I will say that Noah Brown will not be a starter on the Texans by the time he's healthy again, because Tank Dell is going to seize control of that that role. A uh, player I really, really like, and um, I think he's a, like a legit, similar to Puka. He's a legit NFL starter, like a really good player um, who creates tons of separation, gets open, commands targets. So I kind of expect, you know, depending on how much the Texans want to throw, but I expect anywhere from five to eight targets for him. He's 3,200. Uh, he's a guy I really like this week. And uh, realistically, given his skill set and, and his target range, he should be priced about 47 to 4,900. So uh, I think he's a screaming value this week. I think that he'll make a name for himself to some extent this week, whether the volume's there for that to be like a huge name. We'll see. But uh, going to be a standout player for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that. That could be the winning ticket there with uh, there Tank Dell. <laughs> and, and speaking of tickets, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster has got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. 
Their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. A uh, little word from our sponsor or one of our sponsors. Not what that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it was really it's just going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so hot takes from me. I think last week I said the commander's defense was going to be the lowest scoring defense. Um, that, that didn't come to fruition. I did fade, you know, the, the commander's defense, but it, it really just didn't matter that much. So it like everybody like, you know, scored 11 points, right? It was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody scored 11 points. Yeah. So, so I think this week I'm going to run it back with a similar take, but I'm going to tone it down a little bit. Um, I'm going to go, you know, I think the Dallas Cowboys defense is going to be popular. I think it's probably going to be like a little bit too popular, maybe a 20% ownership. Um, I'm going to say, though, that I think the Jets beat the Cowboys today or on Sunday in Dallas behind Zach Wilson handing the ball off to Brees Hall and, and Dalvin Cook. I like that. I like it. I like because I've been looking at that Cowboys defense and I've been saying that same thing of if I'm the Jets – uh, I mean, the Jets' defense is so good. The 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 Cowboys' defense, they talked coming into the season about wanting to be the greatest defense of all time, right? They, they're on that level. So are the 49ers' defense. But the Jets' top three defense in the league, it's got to be those three. And the Jets are ferocious. So they're, they're not scared about getting beaten in a blowout. And so they're going to say, let's just keep the ball on the ground. Let's play field position. Let's force the Cowboys to try to score against us. Let's see if we can make them make a mistake before we make a mistake. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a ton of dropbacks from the Jets. I don't think there's going to be a ton of opportunities for sacks and turnovers. Um, and it wouldn't shock me for the Cowboys defense to come out of that game with, you know, eight defense special teams points at, at on DraftKings 4K in salary. Um, I think they're an interesting play. They'll be in my player pool, but that, that's mostly a result of, Defense feels pretty thin this week in general. So I want to take some swings, but definitely not going heavy, heavy on there. Like I think a lot of other people will. Yeah. I, mean, I think I've almost got this down to a formula where if I'm picking a, a chalky quarterback, then, you know, a chalky game stack, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to end up overweight the chalky, chalkier game stacks this week, then I'm probably going to go with a defense that's not the chalk defense and vice versa. Like if I, you know, if I'm reaching to take a, a quarterback that I think is going to be lower owned. Uh, but could hit, then I'm, I'm okay taking the Cowboys defense. And it actually works out well. Because if I'm if I'm taking the Cowboys defense this week, they're more expensive like, compared to the Commanders last week. Uh, and if I'm taking an off-the-board quarterback, I think it's more likely, you know, off-the-board off game stack, it's more likely to be a cheaper game stack anyway. What are some of the off-the-board quarterbacks that you could have interest in this week? So I think it it works – better on DraftKings than, than FanDuel. Because on FanDuel, the, the quarterback pricing tends to be pretty condensed. Um, but there, I will say that the difference in pricing for like Lamar Jackson is, is one of the bigger differences I've seen, where I think he's uh, 7,700 on, on DraftKings and he's the third most expensive quarterback. Uh, and then well, yeah, he's 7,600 on FanDuel, but that's still sixth. Uh, yeah, relative sixth to the salary cap, there's a nice discount. Yeah, but he he scores better on FanDuel than than on DraftKings because the the six point rushing touchdowns have a bigger impact if you don't have like full point per reception scoring, and there's also like, he's generally not going to get the three points, uh, yeah, three hundred yard. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, but on DraftKings, I, I kind of like Baker Mayfield again. Um, he's, uh, he has, yeah, only 5,100 uh, playing at home. So he's not playing in a dome this week, but he is, he's playing a, a Chicago defense that hasn't looked good. Uh, so I like Mayfield, a little bit of Jordan Love. Uh, like that's going to be a, a mass multi-entry pick, I think. Uh, I think it's game that game's got one of the lower point totals on the week. Uh, and I, I, I can see a bunch of ways where that's just a very low scoring game. But it, it is going to be in a dome. And uh, George, so we don't know the status of Christian Watson. We're actually, we record this on Friday afternoons where we're just starting to get like the, the practice news. So we're just broke. I think Austin Eckler did not practice. And that could have an, a big impact on the slates if he misses the game. Uh, but Christian Watson's questionable. So they've got the, the tight end, Musgrave. Um, so he's really cheap, I think, for what would be like a main receiving piece at tight end. If it, if it shakes out like that. Um, and then I, I just think Jordan Love is maybe a little bit better than people are expecting. And he's super cheap on, on DraftKings. I think 5,500. So I, I think that's a reasonable play. Those are plays I'm like, I'm probably not going to use in, in single entry. Uh, so just, you know, just stick with the theme of the show. Probably I'd be more likely to use Mayfield than Jordan Love. Um, but yeah, it's just some, some off the board uh, plays. And actually one play that's growing on me a little bit, uh, down in that cheaper range is Brock Purdy with uh, the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I like Brock Purdy. I mean, seven out of nine, their last, their last nine regular season games, they've scored 30-plus in seven of them. And that's just a lot of touchdowns available. And Purdy's always in this 18 to 22-point range, but it's very easy for, say, the Rams keep this game closer. All of a sudden, the 49ers aren't taking their foot off the gas late in the third quarter, like they typically do. And Purdy has a shot at 300 yards or Debo breaks a long, you know, a short, a short catch for a long run and, and he hits 300 yards or he goes for three touchdowns. Like the opportunity is there. You know, he has a, I think it was a 38 pointer on his ledger. The opportunity is there for him to put up a big game. I like Purdy a lot. And um, Daniel Jones, another guy, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks to like Josh Allen's a great play this week. Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, probably really good plays. Gino, Jared Goff have potential to be good plays. Um, so I don't know how far off the board I'll go, but the, I've got like nine guys in my player pool that are in the mix for me in, in single entry. And again, you and I've talked about this. We, for us, it's not like we're going to build one roster and put them in all our single entries. It's like, we're going to build some different single entries and put them into single entries. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Jones is another one where after last week, I could see everybody being off. And then you look through the game logs from last year and you're like, here's a 30 pointer. Here's a 30 pointer. Here's a 30 pointer. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he has one of those games this week. So I think he's my kind of off the board guy. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. I'll tell you a guy from that game I started thinking about last night, DJ Moore. And and now Carlton Davis is going to be out for the Bucks. And just the way that Bucks defense plays, they force a lot of passing. And, and if you can find holes in that zone, you just keep catching passes and moving down the field. And nobody's going to play DJ Moore after he had two targets last week. He's only 5,500. Uh, has a lot of ceiling in this. It, it would seem like the type of week where the Bears are going to say, man, we only got DJ Moore two targets last week. Let's emphasize. Like, wouldn't surprise us if you turn on the TV at, at 20 minutes after kickoff and DJ Moore has four targets already because on that first drive, the Bears are like, let's get him involved. Um, so yeah, I think he's an interesting play in that game and, and actually kind of in the... Most of my wide receivers are tied to these game environments I like this week, but he's kind of one of the only one-off pieces that I could see pushing onto my my 
tighter builds this week. Yeah. So like you mentioned the DJ Moore thing, and uh, I think you maybe referenced something similar in the one week season right up for Kansas City, like Kadarius Tony, like these these guys that had notably bad week ones. They're not like DJ Moore just was just a targets thing, uh, but where the team is maybe going to make a concerted effort to to flip that around, like early in the season. So that people are forgetting, like right now, Kadarius Tony is the the drops guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, if yeah. you if you see somebody like drops him on the street, and they're, oh, they just pull the Kadarius Tony. Like now, <laughs> but it's a long season. Like Kansas City's got playoff aspirations. Like they want to turn that around so that nobody's like thinking about that by week seven, by week eight. Uh, if they want him to be a, a key player for them, and yeah, I can see a similar thing with, with DJ Moore, where yeah, we just you know we we want to get this guy targets. We brought him in to get him targets. We kind of saw that on uh, last night with. Uh, with uh, Swift, right? Like the the yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, where they brought him in in the offseason, like they didn't give him a lot of work in game one, and then suddenly the opportunity uh, opens up to to start giving him more work. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that like DJ Moore is one of those kind of invisible guys who pushes on to tighter builds for me, and then I think that kind of ties into this discussion of what does this week really look like, which to me, it's, you know, I said on my show with, with Pete Overzet that my, my player pool for like single entry three max is broader than it normally is. It has more players in it than it normally has, but my player pool for mass multi-entry is going to be smaller than it normally is because it's just like, there's only a few spots. Like there's a few spots to me that are kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the slate. But then there's nothing that tr- truly separates those spots from each other to where, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm d- doing this, right? So to me, it's going to come down to how do my rosters come together and which rosters do I like the most as opposed to which spots. But I'm not necessarily trying to rank the Buffalo offense and the Kansas City offense, the Jacksonville offense, and some of the pieces from Detroit. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been highlighting this week, the Titans, are, are the Titans devour the run game. And last year faced the highest opponent pass play rate in the NFL by a pretty wide margin, the most pass attempts per game in the NFL. Um, so I like those Chargers pass game pieces. And then if Eckler's out, like everybody's going to be on Josh Kelly like they were on Jamal Williams last week against the Titans. Jamal Williams, to that 11-yard run, I think he had 11, car- 11 carries for 21 yards, something like that. You know, like Kelly's rushing stats are going to look like that. And then is he just going to step in and get nine targets like Eckler does? Probably not. So then Keenan Allen has this chance to be this like 14 to 16 target guy. So um, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm not Friday. I'm not trying to rank those spots. Even Saturday night, I'm going to be making my mass multi-entry builds off of a limited number of spots. And then I'll kind of start looking at how those rosters are coming together and pick which ones I want to put in single entry. So that's kind of how I see this week. I'm curious your thoughts on that is like, there's more spots at the top, but they're pretty far above the spots behind them. It's sorry, I, like having you go to, to Keenan Allen is one of the uh, biggest like early season twists in the NFL <laughs> season. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I, you've described him as a guy he's, he's going to give you receptions, but just never going to win you a tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, always just, use the example of don't play him in in tournaments because he's just good for his consistency, not for his ceiling. And yeah, yeah. and that's another unique thing. Like Tyree Kill's off the slate, Justin Jefferson's off the slate, Devonte Adams is playing the Bills. Um, Austin Eckler could be out. Christian McCaffrey doesn't get the 14 targets in San Francisco that he got in Carolina. It's just like there aren't a lot of opportunities for 35 to 40 point scores. So Keenan Allen puts up 25, 26. Stefan Diggs puts up 28. Like those guys become more valuable than they typically are. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Actually, you, you do bring up an interesting point that there's a lot of good wide receivers that are off the slate and that, that makes an impact. Like, I've, you know, I think, I, I think I'm more likely to stick to just a, a few concentrated game stacks. And I, I think for mass multi-entry, I might almost be doing the opposite of what, what you're doing, where for mass multi-entry, I could see these games that we've talked about already. We've actually almost talked about all of the games with point totals below 45. Um, you know, going from like Daniel Jones and Arizona uh, to, you know, San Francisco and, and the Rams, uh, you know, the Chargers in Tennessee. I could see those games blowing up, you know, Chicago and, and Tampa Bay. Um, and But if they do, I'm probably going to be overstacking them in, in mass multi-entry, whereas in single entry, there are there's a handful of games that have higher point totals. And I think those games could just go nuts. And I, I think that's a more likely thing that's going to win me money in single entry is one of the the games that has a higher point total than one of the game. Like I think the, one of the games has like a 40 to 42 point total overshooting that could win me a million million dollars, right? That could win me a million maker. Whereas I think for single entry, I don't know if I need to stray from, from these kind of core games. I think that my favorite is I think Buffalo and, and uh, the Raiders. And I was actually interested when you were talking about, the wide receivers, you're, you know, they're, they've kind of been scratched off the slate with, um, you know, with Tyreek Hill not being on the slate, Justin Jefferson not being on the slate. You're kind of like in, and Devontae Adams is facing the Bills. Like, are you lower on Devontae Adams this week? Because I, I think he's going to be popular, but like Jacoby Myers is now out. Uh, and we've seen him just get peppered with targets before. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for that Bills secondary when they're healthy as just one of the toughest defenses to put up points against and so does that mean that Devonte adams has a bad game no but his chances of a 30 pointer are lower than normal and his chances of you know why we roster these guys in tournaments is really we're hoping for their 35 to 40 point games uh, and i feel like his chances of that are low enough that i you know stefan diggs is rarely going to go for 35 to 40 he actually can do it but he's rarely going to do it and so I usually take the Devontae Adams player over the Stephon Diggs player. But this week, I'm actually going to go with the Stephon Diggs or the Keenan Allen over the Devontae Adams because I just think that, like, these guys probably have a better chance of getting to 25 to 30. And I think that's kind of where the scoring can end up being capped. Um, and so it wouldn't, like, Sunday night, it wouldn't shock me if Devontae Adams had 40 points because he can always do it. But um, 
but that's not how I'm going to be playing this slate, especially on, on tighter builds. Y'all have a little bit of exposure. I always have a little exposure to him and, and Josh Jacobs, but less on tighter builds than I would typically have. I wonder if I have some FanDuel bias because I he's the ninth most expensive wide receiver on FanDuel. I, I think the fifth most on, on DraftKings. Uh, but when I you get him down to like the ninth most expensive wide receiver, I mean you have you have to play th- at least three wide receivers on on Fanduel, uh, you know, and DraftKings. But it's I could see him very easily like uh, hitting his uh, seventy five hundred dollar price on the, on that site, even though uh, it's only a half point per reception. Yeah, um, yeah, and the, well, the touchdowns matter so much more, and he can score. You know, if he catches uh, eight for seventy and two touchdowns. That's a lot more valuable on FanDuel than it is on on DraftKings. Yeah, and I gen I generally just like that stack. I think a little bit better than than most people because I I'm high on Josh Allen this week. I do. I mean, we could see angry Josh Allen after they they lost to the Jets, and you know, and the Bills have a horrible wide receiver. Like you can pair Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams pretty easily, and then you can also go to like Gabe Davis who is going to be more of an explosive, you know, scoring threat. And he's going to, he's currently projected for like less than 5% ownership. I think you might see it higher. Like I think this game stack might get steamed up throughout the week. Uh, but there's just a lot of different ways. And then for tight end, like, I don't think either Bill's tight end is going to be popular because there's two of them, but I think either one of them is in play, both uh, Dalton Kincaid and, and Dawson Knox. Yeah. The narrative thing, I think sometimes it can be overblown or sometimes, People just totally ignore narratives. But to me, it's like when a when you know a team well and you know that the narrative is there, like like last year, A.J. Brown against the Titans, and it was like the, the Eagles are going to have to pass in this game. And it's not like it hurts them to focus on A.J. Brown. And Nick Sirianni is the type of coach, Jalen Hurts is the type of quarterback, that they're going to love to get A.J. Brown a big game against the Titans. It's like those types of narratives, we can lean into them and – uh, like we know the bills well enough to say, A, they don't, they don't care. They're fine winning a game 38 to 10. Like they don't need it to be the opponent scoring 31 for them to score 38. They're happy to just keep putting up points and B, they're the type of team that after that loss, which was an embarrassing self-inflicted loss on national television, that they're going to be like, let's come out and make a statement this game. Unless the Raiders defense plays really well or the bills offense plays really poorly it's going to be hard for the Bills to not put up a lot of points in this game because that's going to be their mentality. And, and I think they're going to be aggressive about it too, shots downfield and all that. So yeah, I, I think that's a great spot this week. And I, you know, their implied total is higher than the Chiefs implied total, higher than the Jags implied total. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that we play out this slate a hundred times, they outscore those teams, you know, enough times for that to be justified. Yeah. Okay. So just like the two other games I wanted to touch on, uh, like the, the Kansas City Jacksonville game, we actually have, uh, the three high point total games involved like the teams that were on prime time, like Thursday night and Monday night football in for week one. So you had the the Bills just finishing up with the Jets um, on Monday night, but then you've got, you know, it was Kansas City, Detroit to, to kick off the season. And you've got the two remaining games that are the higher scoring games or highest, you know, point total games, uh, Kansas City at Jacksonville and then uh, the Seahawks at Detroit. Uh, but like, yeah, Kansas City at Jacksonville has the higher point total, fifty-one. I think that'll be a popular game. I think, uh, I don't know. Like, if you had to choose between those two games, I guess you said earlier you just didn't want to choose <laughs> between the games. Yeah, no, I mean that's one of the ones that the field is definitely going to say. I don't see how this can't be high scoring. 
right? Well, it's still going to be under 51 points 50% of the time. So it certainly can be not as high scoring as you need at those price tags. Uh, at the same time, you know, Seattle has improved on defense. They were already pretty good last year. You know, they had a hard time at the start of the season, mostly communication issues. And Pete Carroll kept saying, like, there's nothing wrong with the defense. It's just like three plays here, two plays here. And then they got absolutely smashed. What was it? Uh, Taysom Hill had like a 37-point fantasy game where they just – Seattle wasn't prepared for what the Saints were going to do with that. Back two-thirds of the season, Seattle defense was solid, right? And then they've gotten better. Detroit defense has definitely gotten better. Uh, that game opened at 50 and has been bet down to 47. So there's certainly that game is has more clear paths to the downside than Kansas City Jacksonville. But in terms of what is the ultimate ceiling compared to the price tags, I don't know that one stands out over the other. Because what can you do with with Kansas City? You know, with, with pairing Mahomes, it's like either Kelsey or just total dart throws. And and even with that, like Mahomes can put up 30 and Kelsey puts up 21 and no pass catcher is is useful. It's like, man, I could just play Mahomes naked, which is weird because he's not really a running quarterback. And yet just the way that offense is run. And then the Jacksonville side, there's five guys. One of them probably puts up a, a score that's worthy of being on a tournament winner, but there's almost no way to know which of those five guys does it. And so, yeah, it's kind of, it's a weird spot. I love that, love that, the potential for that game environment. It's just hard to get a handle on how to build your sharpest roster around that game. Yeah, I agree. It, the pricing and like positionals just aren't good for that game. For Like, yeah, like Kelsey is so expensive at tight end that, and, but he's the only person that makes sense to pair with Mahomes. Uh Unless you're really, I mean, for mass multi-entry, I'll go with some Kadarius Tony. I, I think Derek McKinnon makes some sense. Yep. That, that's really a dart throw. And it's, it's an appropriate dart throw for 150 lineup set. I don't think it's an appropriate dart throw for, uh, you know, for single entry. I'll probably try to squeeze in a, a Mahomes, Kelsey with a Jacksonville run back, maybe like Travis Etienne. Um, but it's, it's difficult. The pricing is difficult. I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll, we'll have to see with the injury reports. Like, do we get any screaming value? But I just don't see any screaming value there right now that's going to let you put in, like, a really expensive game stack like that. I, I, I think of those four teams that are in a, those two games, I think I'm most interested in Detroit, where Monra St. Brown, I think, fits in at, at wide receiver. And with the other really expensive wide receivers off the slate, he could, he could easily be the top-scoring wide receiver this week. And then both the running backs, I think, are in play with David Montgomery yep. and Jameer Gibbs. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I think like Gibbs actually had more involvement, I think, than I was expecting for his first game, like kicking off the NFL season. Uh, but I think either of those running backs is in play, and I, I think you know they're both pretty well priced. So, uh, so I could see those being like two two running backs that I'm using extensively. Yeah, and and notes on you know Amon Ross St. Brown and Travis Kelsey in terms of perception versus reality. I think it would surprise most people to know that over the last two seasons, 34 games, Kelsey has topped 23 DraftKings points nine times. So there's a lot of games in there. It's 25 out of 34 games that he's below 23 DraftKings points. And then last year, Amon Ross St. Brown, 11 games, and even missed at least one game. So he didn't play the full 17 games, 11 games of 15.2 or fewer DraftKings points. So, you know, it's he's two thirds of the time 
Amon Ross St. Brown is going out there at that 7,800 price tag and getting you 13 points. And, you know, that's really hurting your roster. Uh, and, and what is it, you know, about 75% of the time or close to that, that Travis Kelsey is going out there and getting you 16 points, 14 points, 17 points, 20 points. So, you know, and I say that not to down, like talk down on those plays because they're both very much in my player pool, but also I think there's a tendency on a week like this to look at those two players and be like, I just don't see how they miss, you know, like I don't see how Travis Kelsey misses. I don't see how, and it's not like Justin Jefferson who put up 30 plus points in half of his games last year. And then last week against a, a zone heavy bucks defense, you're like, I don't see how Justin Jefferson misses, you know? And like, that's one thing. It's another thing on, on these guys. who's like, they miss a lot more often than people realize. And it's almost, there's a fear to not play them. And so, um, so yeah, I say that just to say, I think there's, there all these guys are kind of in the pool and there's a lot of different viable directions to go. You know, those higher priced pass catchers across all the teams, Diggs might be my favorite just because he does so rarely finish below 20 points. And it is a week, as I said, I don't think there will be a lot of 30 plus pointers. So if he gets in that 25 to 32 point range that he can hit, um, he is really valuable. And, and if he scores, Josh Allen scores, you get two spots right at once, but um, you know, also Kelsey could go out and put up a 38 pointer. So I'm aware of that. I'm Ross St. Brown had a, a 38 pointer, a, a 42 pointer last year. So like, I got to account for those as well, but yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting slate. There's a lot of op, like a lot of solid plays you can put in the bucket for tighter builds. And I think what we're both getting at here is we don't want to branch too far outside of those plays on, on tighter builds. Yeah. Actually, there's one more game that's kind of caught in the middle that I, I totally skipped over uh, that ties in well to having a, a top notch wide receiver and also fits with the theme of teams you know, coming back after week one and, and really trying to change some things up, maybe coming out angry, but uh, the Ravens and, and Bengals, uh, you know, Baltimore going to Cincinnati, uh, Jamar Chase is actually, you know, is up there in the, the wide receiver projections. Uh, and Cincinnati had like a, just a terribly disappointing week one, but there was some weather involved. You know, it was, I mean, it was a divisional game. This is a divisional game as well. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on, on the Ravens traveling Cincinnati? Yeah. I, I mean, that game is so interesting to me, you know, last year, Joe Burrow threw for 209 yards, 215 yards and 217 yards against the Ravens. They played in the, in the playoffs as well. Uh, so under 220 in all three games, but the year before the Bengals scored 41 against the Ravens, both times they played. So like the Bengals can do it against anyone. What always bothers me about them is they're not, and I, and I love Zach Taylor as a coach, but not as like an optimizer of scoring potential, you know, like, uh, and they are different things. Like he gets the team to maneuvers them to wins, but he could make his path easier by leaning on his weapons to maximize points. So yeah, there is an element there of like, how aggressive do they get here? And if, if they're, they have a really good defense, you know, and are they able to hold back the Ravens to where this doesn't become a shootout, but it has sort of potential to be the game that everyone overlooks because Jacksonville, Kansas City is attractive. Buffalo is attractive. Detroit, Seattle's attractive. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, look at this. This game was 41 to 31 and we weren't on it at all. So yeah, I think that it's a very interesting game and I haven't, um, I haven't like totally crossed it off my list for tighter builds because, and even like typically if I want Jamar Chase, I want him as part of a game environment bet, but it's not impossible for him to go for 32 points and you know, no, nothing else from that game to really hit. So yeah, that, that game's in the mix and Jamar Chase in particular is, is in the mix for me. 
Yeah, I could see myself. I think last week I tried some Deshaun Watson paired with Jamar Chase, and I think this week I could definitely see myself, you know, pairing Lamar Jackson with uh, with Jamar Chase, and hoping that you know Lamar Jackson maybe gets some rushing yards, rushing touchdown, and then Jamar Chase is the focus of the offense for Cincinnati. Although there might be some T Higgins narrative as well coming back, you know, coming out of Week One. So, uh, well, yeah, I think that's a game I could see myself having a like game stack with multiple pieces in single entry. You know, tournament rosters, uh, but it's probably not going to be like my primary build. Uh, and I, I don't know that I would be overweighted in, in mass multi-entry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, side note, it was really interesting coming off that game where, you know, we're talking about angry Josh Allen, like the bills were angry coming off of their loss to the jets. And obviously it's different personalities, different like locker room structures, but like Zach Taylor's press conferences, like post-game press conferences, Monday press conference, he was like smiling the whole time. And he just kept saying like to the media, like, we're going to be fine. Like this is, it's one game. It's the first game of the season. Like we're going to be fine. This is not a big deal, which, which is also true. But I like, I kind of prefer that sense of urgency you get from a team like the bills where they're like, we got to go out and like prove them where the Bengals are kind of, they're like, all right, let's go out and win this week, you know, but they're not necessarily like, let's go out and make a statement. Let's go out. And um, so, yeah, that, that gets pretty deep into the narrative stuff, but that did actually stand out to me of like, man, these guys are really relaxed about this and um, certainly less likely to, you know, th- those two 41 pointers against the Ravens were very much alpha dog games where they were like, we're going to, we're going to show who's the King of the a- AFC North. And those are the only games in this Taylor Burrow era where they have been proactively trying to score points after they had the game in hand. Every other game in their entire history together, they've had the game in hand and they try to just manage the game to the win from there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I could see it just being that type of game where they're, you know, they try to win it 23 to 20 and just get out of there with the, with the W. But um, I certainly don't want to overlook the potential for it to go a different direction. It it is probably just different personalities on the coaches and, and, in the locker room, right? Where, cause we saw Aaron Rodgers do that with the, with the relax, right? And yeah. Green, Green Bay was, you know, midpoint of the season or mid early point of the season wasn't doing well. And she's like, yeah, we, yeah, we've lost some games, but every team loses some games. I wonder if it's maybe a matter of expectations where the bills are really just going out there thinking that they're going to go at 17 and one or however many 16, one, <laughs> you know, how many NFL games we have in a, in a season. Uh, whereas the Bengals are, yeah, we're going to lose some games throughout the course of the year. We lost one in the rain, you know, to Cleveland, but now we're and they're kind of playing up to their competition. And uh, now they're going to roll, uh, you know, against Baltimore and they, they really want to make a statement uh, or not. Maybe there's a little bit too relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all thoughts to go into the bucket. Like, I don't think any of these direct our decisions, but it's just little pieces to, to hold on to, I think, as we, as we work through the slate. Right. All right. Any, any final thoughts on the week? No, I think, uh, I think, you know, pulling it back to single entry. I always say no when you ask me that, and then I give some thoughts. Uh, pulling it back <laughs> to single entry, the, I think it's important this week to recognize that there's not just one good game. There's several good games. And so if, if you don't have players from those good games, it's highly unlikely that all of those games miss, right? And so there's going to be people you're competing against who have exposure to those games and you have to account for that as you build. So again, for me, the way I'll account for that is having a lot of exposure to the games that I like. Obviously can't have it to all of the games at once, but 
Uh, I think it's sharp this week to, you know, make sure that you're accounting for some of those games with higher scoring potential. Obviously you can take some pieces from other places, but, but I think that's an important thing to pay attention to in single entry three max this week. Yeah. I think, I, I think for, for single entry for my tighter builds, I think I will be focusing on the, the higher point total games, but I, I won't be afraid to take like a value piece, like particularly on DraftKings where things go down to like 3000, like, like I won't be afraid to take like a Luke Musgrave tight end. If I, you know, if I think that it's a, a, a higher a game stack from a higher uh, cost game, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or tank Dell. Uh, yeah. On the yeah. Um, yeah. Then with that, that's everything I have. All right. That'll do it for us for our solo ship for week two. Good luck, everybody. We'll see you in week three.